The race continues for the globe in the search for a reliable vaccine for COVID-19. Considering the vast impact on the economies around the world, when one's finally developed, should it be mandatory to get it? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Researchers around the world are frantically working to find a vaccine for our current pandemic. And while our Facebook feeds are full of stories of small breakthroughs in the quest for a vaccine, it's still ways off. Most health experts see it 12 to 18 months away. While we wait for the much-anticipated vaccine, a new survey by Leger and the Association of Canadian Studies finds a split in support for making the inoculation mandatory. And to get some perspective, I'm pleased to be joined by Christian Bork of Leger. And Christian, you found Canadians were divided on the issue of a mandatory vaccine. Why does this surprise you? It, well, it, it did surprise us uh, to some extent. I mean, 60% say it should be mandatory, but 40% believe it should be voluntary. Um, a, a bit surprised given the severity of this crisis and, and the self-isolation we found ourselves in uh, pretty much globally. Uh, but we have to remember that for most people, uh, since flu vaccines exist, flu vaccines have always been given on a voluntary basis. Um, it's interesting, though, because... Uh, when we asked the question in another survey, it was only in the province of Quebec, so it, it, it's tough to compare. But when we asked people, would you get it if it was there, then we got 85% of people who said, yes, I would take the shot. So it's it, you know, making it mandatory sort of rubs people the wrong way, but they would most likely get it. Yeah. Hey, well, it's amazing what common sense will do. Uh, <laughs> which Canadians did you find were more in support of the vaccine? Well, we were not surprised to see that those who tended to be uh, more favorable to uh, to have the the, uh, the the vaccine mandatory were older Canadians over the age of 65, because uh, all campaigns surrounding flu vaccines for the past 20 odd years were always, you know, if you are over this age, you should consider getting it. Uh, but what's interesting, though, is that the other cohort that was uh, uh, more favorable to a mandatory vaccine were 18 to 24-year-olds, which we found interesting that the younger Canadians, the, the, the youngest age cohort in the survey, would actually be on side with this. And it, 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 it kind of lets you wonder, I mean, when you're looking at, at people and, and putting them on a continuum between left and right, usually the younger the voter, the more to the left they tend to be. Um, we were all like that in university, right? So mm -hmm. I... Uh, from that perspective, maybe it's sort of that left-wing bias that young, very young voters have that makes them more favorable to a, to a mandatory vaccine. Or perhaps they're a little less uh, versed in the world and, and dealing with civil liberties. Well, yeah, they probably they, they, uh, <laughs> they haven't grown up to be cynical yet. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, Christian Bork is uh, joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. He is uh, with Leger. As we look at their interesting study regarding a mandatory COVID-19 vaccine, would Canadians take it if it was uh, mandatory? And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well a split. 60% say yes, it should be, and 40% no. But you also looked at some other Canadian attitudes. And uh, from your perspective, or at least from the, the numbers you were looking at, Canadians, are, are they ready to go back out again? Not really. I, when we look at, um, there's something that's happening in the Canadian psyche, I believe, over the past four or five weeks that I find very interesting. We've been awfully, uh, almost all of us, very committed to the self-isolation, keeping a safe distance and coughing into our, uh, to our elbows and doing basically what we've been asked by, uh, by our governments. 
And it's interesting to see that this, this very high level of discipline also is met with a very high level of trust in our governments. I mean, if, if I told you uh, six months ago that 84% of Ontario residents would be satisfied with the work of the, of the Ford government, uh, you would have never taken me up on that bet. Um, 79% of Canadians say they're satisfied with the work that Justin Trudeau is doing. Uh, it's, it's like that across the country. We've kind of rallied behind our institutions in this time of, of crisis, which, which always happens in times of war, for example, in other countries. And, uh, and we've responded with a high level of discipline. And I believe there's something right now we've grown into this thing where we kind of feel comfortable about all the good habits we've adopted. And a lot of people are frightened. Over half of Canadians say, we're not ready yet. Not now. This is too soon. So I believe that governments are being extremely prudent um, in talking about uh, ending self-isolation and getting the economy back um, working again, because they know that right now there's no social acceptability for going sort of all out and, and uh, uh, Canadians are remain very cautious. You know, when you, you, you say that uh, some folks just aren't ready to go out yet, uh, did you fi- were you able to find out why or it, would it just be that they're just not uh, ready to get, to get going yet? Yeah, what we found is that there's a, there's a very high level of, of variance depending on what you're looking at. Um, when you ask people, would you be ready to go out and, and have dinner with family members or, or going to visit family uh, and then it's pretty much close to a majority of, of Canadians say, yes, would you be willing to go to a mall to do some shopping? About half of Canadians say yes. But as soon as you get into issues like going back to work, then it starts to decline. And the worst category, and this is pretty much more for urban Canada, is the, the worst fear of people beyond going on a cruise uh, is taking public transit. Uh, so until we resolve that issue of people wanting to go back on that bus or that subway, um, it'll make them very cautious about going back to work because in urban Canada, half of people are taking public transit. So uh, something needs to happen in Canadians' minds before we can sort of get our large urban areas back on track because of that fear of being uh, sort of crowded together uh, in a small bus. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. It seems every municipality has had to adapt with uh, some form of uh, changing their public transit. And, you know, we see Ottawa here, Montreal, obviously Toronto as well. They have the TTC, but, you know, people are having to stay, stay away. Um, in terms of uh, public transit, what more do you think uh, has to be done? Or is it, it, there's nothing more that could really be done to reassure these people that it's safe to go back? Yeah, and uh, it depends on on who you are, right? The more privileged you tend to be in our economy, the more you've had the opportunity to work from home. And you know, Canadians of those who now work from home and, and, and not, did not do it before, seventy nine percent of them in our survey said that they're actually satisfied with this new arrangement. Um, a part of it, probably, they miss the office, they miss the chit chat with the with the colleagues and all of that. Uh, and Zoom meetings are not exactly the same as going back to the office. Uh, so, so I think there's there's sort of in this wait and see pattern. Um, and I think as as we try to push people back to going to work, I think employers will need to be extremely flexible, ensure that we don't have a rush hour in public transit. 
So maybe have very flexible hours. Some come later in the morning, leave later at night, or uh, have sort of shifts where people can meet in the office, but then uh, we're not in that sort of eight o'clock in the morning and then four or five o'clock in the afternoon rush hour that we used to know. And I think this could go on until the summer and even through the summer. Now, uh, your, uh, your work looked at uh, Canadians and their attitudes towards the emergency guidelines, and you found there's been an increase in, in the number of Canadians that have been sort of uh, breaking those guidelines. Yeah, I, the, uh, uh, overall, over 90% of Canadians, by and large, say that they do what they've you know, been told to do and then basically go by or adhere to those messages. But there's about a, um, and there's six of them from uh, keeping a safe distance, only going out uh, for, for necessities uh, and so on and so forth. But we find that there's about one out of three Canadians who at some point during the week will break the rules. Uh, it's much lower than what we see in the States where it's about 60% of Americans who break the rules. Uh, so we are doing a bit better in terms of being disciplined, but it's awfully hard if you actually think of it. And now with some people, uh, some kids going back to school soon and some people going back to work, doing all that the governments are asking of us is actually fairly tough. Um, somebody's bound to be in your face at the grocery store that you did not expect and, and sort of breaks that two meter rule. Uh, we see it all the time. But uh, I've been sort of happily surprised to see how Canadians have been disciplined and adopted this 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 thing where they want to protect the community, uh, which is, in our times, you kind of think that these sort of values are gone. But uh, I don't know about what you've observed, but I, I found that throughout this crisis, Canadians have been rather exceptional. Yeah, it uh, it's... I wasn't around for the war, but it sounds like the war effort. Uh, everybody was on the same page. Everybody was marching in the same direction. And uh, that's that's been my view of the whole thing so far. Um, now, in, in terms of uh, what you're going to be looking at in the near future when it comes to Canadian attitudes in the pandemic, is there anything that's uh, sort of uh, twigging your interest right now? Well, we're interested in, in seeing uh, and, and digging deeper into the data to see uh, – um, how this this pandemic is affecting different t- Canadians differently. Of course, we know about the elderly. They're the ones that are most at risk. Um, but there's a lot of people that, that maybe we're leaving behind, like newcomers to Canada, low-income Canadians, um, our Indigenous peoples. And, and how are they dealing with, with this crisis right now? And do they have the same capacity um, as our middle class or, or, or more privileged Canadians to... Uh, to avoid being in public, to avoid public transit, um, and to be safer. We know that about 44% of Canadian households have suffered a, a, a setback in their uh, in their income. Um, how is it affecting different Canadians differently uh, is something that we want to look at. And at, at what capacity uh, will Canadians grow more comfortable of going back to work um, and starting to spend more money? Very interesting. Christian, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Christian Bork is the Executive Vice President and Senior Partner at Leger. And that leads to our unpublished dot vote question. When a COVID vaccine is developed to be safe and reliable, should it be mandatory to get the shot considering the impact on the economy? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. I want to thank Christian Bork of Leger for joining us, and I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.